I'm Daniel, the Past Life Regressionist, and it's time to begin. This is Timeless Spirituality. Hey everyone, welcome back to Time of Spirituality. It is time for the season finale. So, if you haven't listened to the season premiere yet, which was released back in December of 2022 with an episode titled Recapturing the Magic, I highly recommend checking out that episode first. It's not necessary, but I do recommend it. So, with that said, just want to talk a little bit about what's to come for the show. I am planning on releasing the new season, season four, starting anywhere between late January and early March, but there's still going to be new episodes in between. So don't worry about that. New episode every two weeks, but uh, just putting the finishing final touches on season four and... Oh, I'm excited for it. It's going to be something. I'll leave you guys with that one. And one other quick announcement. I do have a workshop coming up in person in the San Diego area this coming Sunday, which is January 7th, 2024. It is something new, something I haven't done yet. It's a mixture of past life regression and art. So what's going to happen is I'm going to be leading a few group regressions throughout the day. So this is an all-day event, goes from 12 p.m. till 6 p.m. And yeah, so I'm going to be doing the regressions, and then you're going to draw based off of what you see and experience in your regression. So we're going to do that a couple times, and I'm really excited to see how this turns out, and hopefully we can turn this into something new. So I'm doing it with my friend Kaylin Rebecca, and if you guys are interested in attending... You can Venmo her at Kaylin Rebecca. I'm sorry, Kaylin Dash Rebecca, and that's spelled K A Y L A N Dash R E B E K A H. And if you guys have any questions about that, just go ahead and reach out to me. And you guys know where you can find me on either Instagram at the Past Life Regressionist or my website, thepastliferegressionist.com. And with that said, If you would like to book a regression with me to discover who, when, and where you have been throughout time, you can reach me again at the Past Life Regressionist on Instagram or thepastliferegressionist.com. And now, it is time to begin the season finale. As a storyteller, I always like to know where my story is going to end before I commence the journey of writing, so then everything in between can lead to the inevitable. So when I launched Season 3 of Timeless Spirituality back on December 6, 2022, with an episode titled, Recapturing the Magic, I knew exactly how I wanted to finish the season. And that would have been with an episode titled, The Magic Recaptured. And as the title of the premiere suggests, Season 3 was to be about my journey to recapture magic that I perceived to be lost. 
I knew where I wanted it to begin and I knew where I wanted it to end, but the middle still remained a mystery. So I figured I'd figure it out along the way. But what I neglected to take into consideration was this journey wasn't meant to be a written fictional story. It was real life. And real life doesn't want to be scripted. It wants to be organic. I came up with the theme for season three back in the summer of 2022, and I didn't commit to release the first episode of the season until I figured out what it would look like to recapture the magic. And that quote-unquote realization happened for me around November of 2022. The predetermined conclusion I'd come to by the finale was the magic wasn't about any awe-inspiring experiences that I'd have along the way that would excite me in a cerebral sense. It was about how I'd realize the magic is about inspiring others to go out in the world and make a difference in whatever way they saw fit. Now, there were many issues with this. Chiefly, I still don't know what it means to make a difference in the world. I've said it, I hear other people say it, but do any of us truly know what we're talking about when we say it? Then something shifted for me back in late March of 2023, and that shift came with the recording of this episode. In the middle of the interview, three words came to mind, and I knew I needed to phrase them into a question. So with that, I presented those three words, and I had my aha moment. Then, a few days later, all of my preconceived notions dissipated when I finally understood that if I wanted this season to be all I thought it could be, I had to relinquish control and let the process unfold organically. Unfortunately, this season didn't end up being all I thought it could be because I thought I knew more than I actually did. And that's because I didn't surrender to three little words. So for now... I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the season three finale of Timeless Spirituality. And make sure to stick around until the very end of the episode where I'll share what those three little words mean to me. Ladies and gentlemen and time travelers alike, I present to you the magic of, I don't know. Alio. I get that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Like so many things have changed since we spoke last. Yeah. We're going to talk about it today, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As we were both talking about before, we, we pretty much just signed on to this conversation four minutes ago. So <laughs> you guys are going to be getting the update just as I'm getting it. So we just cut it. <laughs> Dove right in. So ready for the first question? Yeah. What is your favorite song about time and why? My favorite song about time is Remember the Time by Michael Jackson. <laughs> that like that literally was like my all-time favorite song when I was a kid. Um, we used to have um Michael Jackson's greatest hits or some kind of video that we would play over and over. And I would memorize the dance moves to that video. Like, have you seen that video, the music video? It's the, I think we talked about this before. It's the Egyptian-esque one, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still my favorite song about time. <laughs> I'm glad it hasn't changed. Some <laughs> consistency there, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, I've had some people on multiple times and the song changes every time, which is, I look to each his own. But yeah. for me personally, 
I don't want I have a favorite. I stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that song. So you just want to give everyone a quick reminder of who you are? Yeah. So my name is Alia Lovely and I am a psychic medium, energy reader, all the fun things channeler. I was the host of Spiritual Shit Podcast, which we just ended in February, which is so, it's like the end of an era. It's crazy. Obviously, it's still live, so you can go back and listen to it if you want to. But yeah, like I do this kind of work and helping people understand their consciousness and connecting with the spirit world and pursuing magic uh, in our human experience. Yeah, I can't think of any yeah. quicker way to say. So I'm just <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So there's a new question I'm asking, and now I'm being super picky on my grammar as I realize I've said so about a dozen times since we started recording. <laughs> the new question is, what do you believe in? What do I believe in? That is such a big question. But the first thing that comes to mind is I believe in me. And what has been my mission and something that's been important to me for most of my um I would say spiritual professional career is helping people believe in themselves, helping people trust themselves, helping people understand like, you know, what they're doing here and, you know, and so on in their own version in their own world and their own energy and their own simulation. And so with that, with the, the myriad of other things that are running around in this world. And if you're, uh, you know, someone who likes spiritual shit, then <laughs> there's lots of different theories running around about what's happening in the world and what to believe in. And since I was raised very Christian, uh, very religious, it was always, it's this or that. And, and you had to fit within that box in order to be, you know, someone that was considered like on the path basically or in alignment. And then it became a different religion when I had my awakening and I got rid of my religion and suddenly all of the new age stuff was like, it has to be this way and it has to be love and light and it has to be blah, blah, blah. And ultimately the soul that is within me is always questioning and always pushing boundaries and always looking and going like, mm, maybe not, maybe it's not that. And so I find myself, um, like I, I would call myself a professional agnostic because even though I'm spiritual, what I believe in always changes, but what I, what doesn't change is that I need to believe in me. Like I need to believe in what is like, what my intuition is telling me, what my truth is. And that truth at times may change. And so as long as I at least have the, the North node of like who I am and understand who I am and my foundation and my heart, then I, I, I really don't feel like I can steer myself wrong, if that makes sense. So, and that's kind of like what I'm trying to teach other people. So that way they can decide for themselves what they believe in and are not easily influenced or manipulated by other people and taken down that type of path that I went through when I was a religious person. Basically believing in your own authority. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, look at our experience. Like this, this earth does not make any sense. It really doesn't like, and all the things that we're exploring on a spiritual level is, you know, conjecture at best. Like, I mean, we have our own versions of our truth. And so like in this type of world, like, I don't think it's any like really one thing. I think that there's a general consensus about like what's going on in the spiritual world, but that again, in 10 years could change. We could have a very talented channeler come through and that changed the game again. And so I believe in change, <laughs> but I also believe that like for, for all of us, it's, imp it's important for us to believe ourselves, like, and believe 
what what's coming to us, the information that's coming to us. We've been conditioned out of trusting ourselves and needing to trust other people constantly. So we don't, we, it, it cripples our decision-making. It cripples our ability to analyze and critically think. And so if we don't really know ourselves or believe in ourselves and the information that we're getting, then we are often led astray by the next new thing. I'm going to borrow a term that you used when I was okay. in spiritual shit. <laughs> a term that you, you used. Yeah. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. That's not my term. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You used it at a very appropriate moment in the episode <laughs> I was on. So, yeah, when I think of it, I, yeah, I think you, you. It's, but I, I, I'll take it. I, yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> I respect you for not claiming credit for it completely. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, man, I'm all over the place today. <laughs> That's all right. All right, we're here to talk magic. Magic. I just thought of a. Wait, wait. Let me get my wand. Ooh. Okay. I'm oh, ready. shit. I left my Merlin hat in the kitchen. <laughs> That's actually you know, not I joke said either. if I ever get a dog, I'm going to name it Merlin. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. That's a fun name. <laughs> now, this is a opinion-based question, I think. Uh-huh. Do you believe that the definition of magic is objective or subjective? You know, um, hmm both <laughs> can i say both <laughs> sure so I'll, I'll i'll explain the idea of what's magical to someone is subjective what was magical for instance in ancient times they thought that the moon changing was like oh you know that, that was something super magic science caught up and now that's just something normal that we deal with you know someone who knows how to do illusion tricks would be considered magic ah, you know like that idea of like wow someone like disappeared a card from behind their ear or whatever the thing is and that would have been considered magic and in a lot of ways i think magic is simply the the act of something that we don't understand or can be the act of something we don't understand or fully understand but in the process it can also be alchemy which is a very like objective thing for people like science, chemistry, you know, things that are like very hardwired. But if we don't understand it, we might consider it to be magic. And so in the same way, I've been doing a lot of like mediumship stuff lately and people consider that magic. And I don't think it's magic because in some, on some level, I understand it and on other levels I really don't, but it happens. And when it does happen and it comes through, it feels like magic because we can't place a foundational understanding of how it works. And so for us, that's what looks like magic. And I'm sure at some point, maybe in 20 years, they'll be able to figure out, oh, this is why it works this way. And we'll have an explanation that will feel more objective to why we interpreted it as magic. But ultimately, I think that what magic is, is essentially like us observing something that makes us feel in awe. Like something that we feel, you know, in, 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 like that's beautiful to us or something. Like when I went on, I went on a trip when in 2000, I think 18 or 19, and I went to Nice, France. And that trip was magic for me. And even though there was nothing like specific that really happened, it was the feeling, it was the energy, it was the beach, the sun, the people, the language, you know, the food. And I was, I was just so in awe, like it was such a magical time for me. It was such a place where I felt like I found, I found myself, I found my worth, I found what spoke to my soul. And 
without any explanation of like why that place was so magical for me. Maybe I had a past life there. Maybe like, you know, there could be other things involved when I was leaving and I went to get on the plane. One of the, you know, somebody that was helping me with my bags or something was like, did you have a good trip? And I started to cry and I, they were like, Oh no, are you okay? And I was like, I don't want to (laughs) leave. And they said, did you have a magical time? And I was like, yes, I did. You know, like just literally bawling at the, you know, where you check your bags because it was, it spoke to my heart. It was something that made me feel in awe and I couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain why I had such a visceral reaction to this place in the world. And so for me, like I'm, I'm seeking those types of moments often. It's probably why I started my podcast to discover more about what exists out there in the world. And for me, discovering spirituality has always been magic, you know, until it's not. And like, there are times that are like, wow, this concept is so cool. I'm so fascinated. It's so amazing. And I hear 18 different people talk about it and I have a greater understanding for it. And it doesn't feel like magic anymore. And it doesn't take away from the learning that I've observed, but it, it took away the mystery of that particular thing. And so what's really fun about this question is right now I am um, in connection to an entity that I has named themselves Erasmus. And they're very magic to me right now because I don't understand how it works. I don't understand like how I'm getting the messages, how they're coming through, why they're coming through, why me? And so it feels very magical until maybe I understand it or I'm used to it or I've, I've done everything that I need to do with it. And then we'll end up seeking maybe something else. I don't know. Maybe we'll be lifelong friends and we'll keep talking forever, but I don't like either way, there's this part of me that desires that in my life because I, I think us as humans, we enjoy the awe process, the, the being in awe of things. And in some ways, like it's, you know, it's no fun if you live in a world where everything is scientific and we know everything, right? Like it's why we do what we do. It's not like, like for you as well, like what you do for work. And if everything was so logical and rational and hard and, and mathematical or whatever, there would be no fun. We, we enjoy mystery. Why do we go to haunted houses? You know, like, why do we go to a psychic reading? This'll be fun. You know, like, why do we explore in these ways? Because I think in some way, the human, this is a part of the human experience, the human desires to engage with magic, uh, with the things that they don't understand, with the mysteries and the I don't know, the beauty of the human experience. I think in and in of itself is magic. Think about how you were born and how you got here. Like the the process of which someone someone carries a child is completely magic to me. Now being a mother and knowing what had to happen, I look at my kid with awe and go, I made that. Like, wow, that's magic to me. Even though we have all the psychological or scientific and biological reasons why this works this way, I'm still looking at this kid that today told me I'm really sad. And I thought just even her being able to express herself feels like magic to me. She's a teeny tiny person that's been on this earth less than two years and she can express her emotional state. That feels like magic to me. And I don't need a wand. I don't need a spell. I don't need, you know, like some spirit guides and whatever coming in or whatever. Like those moments are what I am always in pursuit of in my human experience. And I think we all could use a little bit more of that. I'm getting ringing in my ears now. as we say. <laughs> I think that's a good way for us to go right now. Why do you feel that that's lost on a lot of people with, I mean, I'm going to borrow the with title what? of, I'm going to just borrow the title right now of your offshoot podcast, the pursuit <laughs> of magic, which I highly recommend everyone checking out. 
Thank you. I haven't done much with it. There's only like four episodes. <laughs> it's, I, it's, it's all right. There's a very yeah. potent four Thank episode you. series so far, <laughs> especially that one you did about time. I really like that one. I think oh, it was episode three. Was it time I, and purpose? I, I actually don't remember because <laughs> I did them last year. Stuff. I mean, <laughs> and again, you. I'm just naturally drawn to anything that has to do with time. <laughs> of course. I see it as magical. Yes, yes. Um, but your question was, why is that lost on us? Yeah, why do you feel that that's lost on some people when it comes to the pursuit of magic? Because I'm resonating with what you're saying right now with regards to your daughter being able mm -hmm. to express herself. Because one, I'm thinking about all the people who are basically our age who mm -hmm. have a complete yeah. inability to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm also thinking about not just you and your husband, but the hundreds of generations that came before you or that thousands mm -hmm. of generations in that if there was let's just say a break in the chain there mm -hmm. then we wouldn't be... be having this conversation right now yeah. and yeah. your daughter may not be here at least in the form that she's in right now yeah because i yeah. believe she'd find her way one way or another <laughs> oh she would <laughs> to me that is magical that it's almost as if the universe conspired mm -hmm. with free will being a part of the equation right and made this this happen. Yeah. So that's where I find magic now as well, mm -hmm. of just mm -hmm. those seemingly random, dare I say, mundane things. Yes. Yep. That's that's fucking magic. So mm -hmm. why do you feel that that's lost on a lot of people? Well, I think it's a combination of things. Like we look, we look at our culture. Like our culture is very, um, you know, capitalistic. And we're progress driven. And so we're always after the next thing. And so we don't have a very well-practiced move, movement of inward, you know, participating, uh, inward being present because it may seem mundane. It's not the exciting thing. It's not, it doesn't seem like the exciting thing. And something that I noticed too, is like on my podcast, like the episodes that would get the most plays would be the ones that would seem the most fringe. Like the ones that were like, oh, aliens, this or quantum, whatever that and simulation theory X. And, and I thought it was interesting because in our human experience, there's, there's so much magic to be had in the normal of what is. And so since I spent three years, basically looking all outside of myself, all in the stars, all in the star seed, you know, like all the things that seem to be entertaining people right now, I thought, you know what, this is, I don't want to be an entertainer. I came to that conclusion because I think to me, that's draining. I want to just create content like that didn't have magic in it for me. And when people are searching for those kinds of things, it's almost kind of like we think about it like a drug. When we have that constant stimulation over and over and over, like the things that are even amazing seem mundane to us, seem regular, seem basic. And in addition, think about the way that we've been desensitized to what happens in our world. Like it's constant, like it comes to your phone, it comes in your feed, it comes, you know, all different places where like there are disasters, massive things that are horrible and tragic that happen. We nearly just don't have the capacity to entertain them. And so in the same way, on the opposite end, like we also seek that like as, as a type of stimulation and that keeps us from really being able to like sit with normal moments, be in the human experience um, for those who are awakening, they're, you know, excited by the idea that like I'm consciousness and I'm not just this very advanced meat suit walking around, <laughs> but 
they, they, they may not understand that the magic lies within themselves. And so we search, we're taught to search outside of ourselves. We're taught to search for everything that's going to be, you know, fun, entertaining, like whatever, uh, and not realize the magic we're sitting on. And so I think that I came to that conclusion last year because, um, my aunt had passed away suddenly and it was just like within like a breath, it's like, she was gone. And I have, I have such a hard time with death. And I think that's why I desire so deeply to be a medium, like to be good at mediumship and why I'm practicing so much, because like, for me, there's something about death that obviously doesn't feel final, but helps us all realize and recognize the importance of our life, the importance of our time here, the importance of what we're doing here. And I ask myself the existential question, what's the point all the time, all of the time. And the, this week, actually, I came to the conclusion, uh, I had a download from, I think my, you know, my guides or whoever, and they said, the point is love. And I thought, and like, just in the simple statement, there's so much magic around that because it didn't, it didn't need to explain it. It didn't need to say why it didn't need to say like this lifelong question that I've been like really chewing on, chomping on and going, why are we on earth? Like, what's the point of this experience? There's so much suffering. There's so much tragedy. There's so much this, which kind of propels us to seek the the grand, like in everything, right? Like we're, we're looking for something to compensate for the contrast that we have and the depth and the, the awful that we feel in our world. And and so it's understandable why we would seek the grand and the up and the down, you know, whatever, and not like really be able to tune into the mundane. But they had said it, the the point is love. And in, in a moment I understood like, okay, there's something really special and magical about earth and about humans. And I don't hear it enough. <laughs> I'm in the middle of writing a book about it. Like there's the, the, the human experience in and of itself is magical and special to everyone else in the universe because we are the originators of love. I really believe that. Now, everybody's going to have a different opinion about what that is or whatever. But to me, something about that like knocked my socks off. And I thought, wow. So it's not that the aliens are coming because they have all this wisdom to give us. Yes, maybe. But they don't have perhaps the capacity for love the way that we do. And they don't understand it. And they don't understand empathy and compassion the way that we do with people we don't even know, like the way that we, you know, give and, and just to answer those who are like, but there's so much hate and there's so much grief or whatever, like hate is literally the other side of the coin of love. It still comes from the same place. It comes from a place of fear. It comes from a place of loss. It comes from a place of like mostly fear, mostly fear, but it comes out of a heart space. Usually it's just the, the opposite in within the same vein, if that makes sense. Um, grief is literally love that has no one, no, it has no one to go to. And so in that we have this massive capacity within our hearts that I believe, and I've channeled that the, the entire universe thinks is insanely magical. Our ability to just love, love a puppy, <laughs> love a baby. Like when I had my daughter, like, it was like, I hadn't even seen her yet. And I had a postpartum hemorrhage that almost ended my life. And the last thing that I can remember thinking before I blacked out was I want, I want to be here so I can be her mother. I love her so much. Like I, I don't want to miss out on the chance of meeting my kid. Anybody would have that reaction, but there was something like the key, 
thing there is that that love existed <laughs> before I ever met her. I knew her inside of me. And that, that was like the most impactful example that I got to see in real time of like what love can do, what love is and how love really transcends everything. It's so magical. Think about all of our songs. Think about all of our movies. Think about all the culture and the things that we involve ourselves in that are like, you know, our, our biggest works of art, right? Like they're all about love. And for me, like, you know, like the, the, for, for, for people who are experiencing grief of love lost or grief of no love at all, right? Like there's that, that feeling of that, like pang of like, I need, I, I want to love someone. I want to have someone in my life, whatever it is. It is the, almost the primary function of our humanness. I asked my husband the other day, he was like, do you think animals fall in love? And he was like, not all of them. No. <laughs> And I was like, I don't like, you know, like, just like, if that is an evolutionary process, that's something new to our species that we observe that we're not just mating with each other. We're choosing to be with each other because of love and the way that like we care for our children, you know, so whatever. But that concept to me was so magical. And within the spiritual community, we are so used to deifying everything outside of us like comes to aliens or gods or angels and guides and like blah, blah, blah. And it's so exciting to think about like our other past lives and other thing or whatever we're always looking for before and after and outside. And we forget about right now. So if we forget about right now, it's really hard to see the magic in the mundane because we're not there to see it. So like, I was all over the place there, but like in that, like, I think to answer your question, I think that's why people struggle with that. But more importantly, I think that for myself, like I'm learning that it's so much more than that. It's, it is that the human being itself is something that the universe looks on as magic, that our experience, what we do, despite all the vile things that happen in the world, the way that we function, the way that we think, the way that we're able to love in ways that, that other species, other planets have no idea, can't even like conceive. That to me is like something we should definitely be turning our focus inward on because we would be able to enjoy very much so more of what everyone else is observing in awe. You going to drop the mic? Yes. There. <laughs> I can drop the wand. Oh, I like that. <laughs> you can coin that one. <laughs> There's so much to unpack there, and I'm going to piss a lot of people off right now with a little pivot. Pivot. Three words. I don't know. What does that mean to you? I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> That's the first thing I heard. Um, I mean, like just the phrase, you mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's coming to me, if I can just like channel it that way, we are so focused on having a hard set of knowing like that, that is the end all be all to know for sure what something is. Is it fact? Is it fiction? Is it true? Is it not? And in our world, as it stands, like we have a really hard time trusting what's real. What's, what is like what we, what we see, what we think we know versus what it is that we don't know. And in that there is this, in my opinion, it's okay not to know. I asked the question earlier, like, what's the point? I've asked the question over and over and over and feeling a way about not knowing what that is, but also being okay with 
saying, I don't know, like in that process of like not knowing, but I think as humans, we are, or at least we've been conditioned to be so information-based that we need to know everything, or we think we know everything. When in fact, we know nothing. We like the more that I'm sure you've discovered, the more that, you know, the less that, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the more that you don't, I don't, I I mess up the phrase, but like the, the information spectrum is so vast of what is possible in our universe and in our life. And to me, I don't know is freedom from having to figure everything out. And like at times, like for instance, if you're having like a, a hard month with your bills or something, right? Like we've got three kids. So like sometimes that happens and we're like, oh man, you know, like, what are we going to do? And sometimes it feels like a relief to go, you know what? I don't know. It's going to figure itself out. It's going to be okay. The answer will come. But unfortunately we live in like anxiety ridden culture where it's like, I need to know, I need to find out. I need to, da, da. and it's in some ways causing us to not allow things to happen. Instead, we feel like we need to make things happen. And then we end up making choices that are not in the know, if you will, without being able to sit down and say, it's okay that I don't know at this moment in time. That's the best way I can answer that question. (laughs) Sorry. What do you feel the magic is in those three words? The magic, if there is even magic and I don't know. Um, the magic to me, and I don't know, means that there's, there's so much to discover. Like there's just so much out there. And that would be one of those mundane things that we were talking about, like the idea of what there is to discover, but also the freedom and knowing that you don't need to know it all. Um, there are plenty of people that just don't want to know stuff and like they're happy in their little bubble and their little square. And, you know, I guess that's okay too, because that's their experience. But to me, like it, it allows for flexibility. If you've ever known a know-it-all, you absolutely know that they don't know it all, but they think they do. And they're really annoying <laughs> because they have to have an answer for everything. And in that, like, there's, there's not a lot of freedom because if you position yourself as someone who knows everything, there's a lot of rigidity and there's a lot of like pressure and that's not good for anybody really, like when it comes down to it. So to me, it offers a bit of freedom and flexibility for us to lean into the unknown. I agree. <laughs> it's a hard question. Like, I, I don't even know what I have to contribute. However, <laughs> my favorite question has always been why. Mm-hmm. My mom has even told me that when I was a kid, everything was why. Why, 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 why? Something I've been hung up on for the last couple of years. Why does the sun rise in the east mm-hmm. and set in the west? It's, it's, I don't know. it's an, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I don't know. Mm. And I think that for a very long time, I had a bit of a superiority complex when it came to my pursuit of asking the question why, because I think I looked down upon people who mm. didn't ask why. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because I didn't think they had it in them or if I was just better than them because I cared. And then, of course, over time, I started to understand that it was just the world, that a lot of people who don't ask the question why may actually ask the question why if they have the time to do it. But because Mm -hmm. of the way everything is structured, they just want to kick back at the end of a very long day. And I get that. But I still carried that superiority complex. Mm -hmm. And the hardest thing that I've really had to reckon with recently 
is I don't know. Mm. Coming to this place of just saying, I don't know, and that's okay. Maybe I don't need to be in pursuit of always asking why. Because mm. to me, that's where I found magic. Yeah. Was to the discovery of why. Mm. And then, of course. But then it takes away from the ah. <laughs> right. And then having it be a truth for a while, only mm. to see later that, oh, it doesn't look that way. Yeah. And I mean, that in itself became a little defeating. So I'm mm. I'm in this place right now where even, I mean, this is, it's not a, embarrassing for me to say I don't know why I needed to preface it saying it that way that I've been a past life regressionist now since 2016 mm-hmm. I've done many sessions as a participant and many 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 more as a practitioner mm-hmm. and I held a pretty firm belief that there was no crossover between humans and animals mm-hmm. I always allowed for the possibility but anytime something of that nature would come up during a session, in my mind, I would write it off more as mm. a metaphor if someone yeah. saw themselves as an animal. And then I'm finding myself in this place now where I'm like, I don't know. You know what? I think it could be. I think there could be a lot of crossover. And that that is magical to me, is mm-hmm. the unraveling of a belief system where I found myself being very rigid. Yeah. And it it may seem mundane, but it's, I think it's like you said earlier, it's that exploration of understanding more because then there's so much more for me to discover Mm. if I go down that path of, okay, what if we do reincarnate as humans and animals? What if there is crossover? Then again, we're going to, we'll bring time into the equation. I don't think time is linear. So who knows? Maybe in a linear sense, it's going to be, you know, one, two, skip a few. (laughs) But in the grand scheme of things, it's human lives, animal lives, done. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So I find magic in that. And I think that's a lot of the reason I want to have this conversation with you today is just seeing the disappointment that I experience with people who are in what they deem to be the pursuit of magic only to fall Mm. short. Whereas I see magic in their discoveries. Mm. So what comes up for you with that? So the the first thing that comes up to me is that like when we embark on our spiritual journey, a lot of people find that process is so magical to them at the beginning. It's so new, it's novelty, it's exciting. It's like fun, just like discover, you know, like who doesn't want to discover more about themselves? It's why we have like personality tests and Myers-Briggs and like all the whole gamut. Like why is the Zodiac so popular? Because people want to know about themselves. They want to talk about themselves. They want to like discover more about themselves and have a reason for why they are the way they are. You know, like uh, it is our human discovery. So when we start that process, like it all seems really magical. And then the reality kind of comes in and hits and then people experience what some people call dark night of the soul or, you know, whatever, where it's like, well, then what's the point of everything? You have this existential dread and this idea of like, you know, whatever, because you almost went too fast. We binged everything. We had to figure out everything. We needed to know everything. I had to read every book. At least that was my experience and lots of my uh, clients and so on. But there's this, this, this part that then comes to a crossroads where 
the things that we learned, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years, maybe it's 10 years, you know, like the things that we learned suddenly don't resonate anymore, or we find a different fitting for them, or we hear something that goes, wait a minute, but that unravels everything that I just learned. You know, like there's these, those pieces and we come into the space of, I don't know that like what I would call a void. And that's what happened to me last year. You know, like, it's like my, my aunt died and she, she died in a way that was for us very, really tragic. And it was like, what was the point of that? Why did that have to happen? This was preventable. It was, who was checking up on her? You know, like it was a lot of that energy. And it, and it really distanced me from my spirituality for a few months because I, I couldn't make sense of something that felt like it was so tragic, you know, and then to look at our world, you know, like maybe it doesn't happen to you personally, but observing what's happening in the world. I cried for 30 minutes because we passed a car accident that I just knew someone died in. And I was like, why did that have to happen? Um, last week I found out about a horrible, something that was, um, on like across Instagram, which is like sucks. Cause you're going there for fun. And then you find out about some terrible pedophile thing that happened or whatever. And that stuff I'm really sensitive to. And I ended up crying for like an hour and I'm like, just people, I wouldn't understand why people would choose this. People don't choose this when they come down. And like, we've been told that people choose their experiences or whatever. And now I don't know. You know, like now I had this experience or this thing that threw me out of my safe little box and everything that I've told myself that I know and that I've learned and what I believe. And now it's all gone. So now I don't feel safe anymore. And because I don't feel safe anymore, the, the, I don't know becomes a discomfort place. It's no longer a space where it's like, it's okay to not know. It's okay to like to chill. And and suddenly it's, it becomes then, you know, our ego's response to like, I need to feel safe and not to shit on the ego. The ego is completely necessary for our human experience. And anybody who's shitting on the ego, like you need it. <laughs> it's important. Um, but we can train it about what's important, what's not. And it's, there is nearly just our human safety mechanism. But anyway, the, the, I don't know means that people can't feel safe. And that is the area of discomfort that I think so many of us struggle with and we try to avoid. So for instance, it happens a lot where science gets updated and suddenly we have a new discovery that comes in or a new study that comes in. And all of the scientists who have, have benchmarked their entire, you know, life's work on a particular concept won't change their minds because this new concept has come in and put them in a space of, I don't know, wait a minute. I didn't know that. I didn't, I would have to relearn everything. I would have changed my thesis. I would have changed this and da, da, da. And people in government do that. Like we look at our world where our, some groups of people would like things to go back to how they were 50 years ago because they can't predict what change is going to happen in front of us. And they would much rather look back to the devil they knew, know versus the devil they don't. And so in that, there is such a, a lack of magic in that space because instead of being in the, I don't know, as a, as a potentiality place, a place of like expansion, a place of where things can change or evolve. Instead, it's a place of like, oh no, 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 no. Like I don't feel safe here. So let me double, double down or double back into what I did know, what makes me feel safe. And we're, we're missing an opportunity there in that space for me personally, I unfortunately, unfortunately put myself in that space a lot 
and I forget when I'm in that space, how uncomfortable it is. Uh, and then try to do the double back of like, Oh, wait, 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 let me go back to this. And then it doesn't fit anymore. It's, this is a, and, and I, I recognize that easily like, okay, this doesn't fit anymore. I can't stay here. It's what happened with my podcast last year. I tried to like start the new podcast, the pursuit of magic only to find that like, Oh, wait, 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 like the metrics and the people and people are disappointed and I'm letting people down and this is what they want. And so let me like double go back and do what's comfortable because I don't want to let everybody down. Like I'm used to producing all this content. I'm used to behaving this way. I'm used to making sure that everybody has their little meal every week. And that's not like, I don't, like, I don't know what's going to be next if I give this up. And so my, I had to go through that moment of like, where my, my guys are saying, Hey, but like, if you don't let go and make space for something else, you can't expand. And you're going to regret that. You're going to regret that. It's going to come, but like you might miss some opportunities because of that. And so here I am flailing <laughs> in the middle of this, like, I don't know space of like, what's going to happen? How are things going to change? I don't know what's on the other side of this. And I don't have the safety of, you know, certain financial income that come, used to come in because of the podcast that doesn't now. And it's uncomfortable. It feels unsafe. It feels yucky at times. There's nothing magical about it in the foresight, like in the, like while it's present, I'm sure in hindsight, it'll be like, Oh, that was amazing. Like, I'm so glad I went through that because that got me here, but I'm not there yet. So I'm someone who, well, I'm learning to be someone who uh, embraces that unknown, embraces that change. For me, there is expansion in the unknown. And if we can get to the idea that like our lives aren't meant to be just comfort all the time, if we start to learn how to get uncomfortable with the uncomfortable, if we start to learn how to live in neutrality where we're not making up all of these expectations for how we think things should go just so we can stay safe. If we understand that we are safe, even when we don't know, then there is a lot more power in that space of, I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned that when your aunt passed away or something to the effect of that you put your spirituality on hold for a couple months. Yeah. Did you? Yes. And I would say yes and no. I get, I get the, I like the question that she just asked. Um, it was on pause, but it was like you said, like it, it looks, it looks like pause. It looks like presence. It looks like I'm not going to practice these rituals or I'm not going to read these books or I'm not going to do X, Y, Z because I needed space for my mind to grieve and process. And like, what's interesting for me is I don't know why, but like death hits me in a way harder than most people. I, I feel like I'm so, I feel so sensitive when it happens that I don't, it, I don't even attend funerals when I probably should that level. And some people have, my family members have called me selfish for that. And, and, in some way or another, like there are like people that I'm very close to obviously go, but there's a part of me that being in that space is actually more detr detrimental and traumatic for me. Um, you're going to absorb everyone else's shit. Well, yeah. And like, I, because I am a, a, someone who, who I is very found sensitive. a nicer way to say that too. No, it's fine. 
Um, but because, because of that, like there's so many emotions and so many ways that people process grief. Some people are angry. Some people are sad. Some people, you know, whatever. And I naturally just have the tendency to want to care for other people when they're in that position and not be able to enact with my own grief in that moment. And so that that's hard, you know, like that, that part is hard, but when that happened, I had to put it on a pause because like what the reason death affects me in that way is because I still don't know what happens after we die. And so, because for some reason that seems to be the, the hill that I die on the question that I just need to get around it, it makes it for me more difficult to process, not more difficult than anybody else, but like in my own world of everything else that I process, this is the most difficult thing for me to process because it, it comes with an existential burden of trying to figure out what that is. And at some point I had to come to a place where it's like, I just, I don't know. And I'm someone who does medium work. Like, like I just had six medium readings today and like they come through and like, and it's clear like with their names and you know, how they passed and you know, all kinds of stuff, but I still don't know <laughs> like what happens. I don't know where they go. Like I know that I create a living room in my head and they show up and they're there and they have tea and they talk over each other. And some people push each other out of the way <laughs> to talk to other people, you know, like, but I don't know how it works. Like, I don't know how it happens. And like you, like you, me and you are the same. We have so many questions. I've always been in a hyper curious child to the point I got in trouble at church a lot because they're like, you're not supposed to ask questions like that. And I'm like, well, why, like, why, why can't I ask questions? Like, what is it? Like God made me. So he knows that I am very inquisitive and that's his fault. You know, like there's just that, like that, that desire for information of how things work, like someone who would be, you know, an engineer or something, someone who tears apart flashlights all the time because they want to see how things work. That's how my brain works. And it's, I think for people like us, like it's difficult for us to sit and tear something apart and still not know how it works. So in that space of like, you know, when I'm trying to figure out my spirituality and something like that rocks me in that way, I had to take a pause because it was like, I need to be able to process what's going on. And in, in one way, it really did help adjust the pivot, adjust the sales of like, wait a minute, like, you know, this, I, I can't continue doing this podcast if I want to make space for doing interviews or writing a book or, you know, whatever, but also making space for me to discover yet again, my own truth, what I believe in what, like how I believe in myself, like what's coming through for me and help with that expansion process. So as I've learned over the last however long, like it's been a long time, I've realized that like my beliefs are always changing, ever changing. And if I can just get comfortable in the uncomfortable spaces, when things like that happen, um, I even had another mini existential crisis. Like when we passed that car accident, I was telling you about earlier, like, why do these things happen? You know what, you know, whatever to come into that space and go, well, I don't know why they happen. I don't know how we got here, but I do know the point is love. And that seems good enough for me. It won't be good enough for somebody else, but that feels good enough for me. And at some point, maybe it won't be good enough. And there's something else will come along and I'll come to another, I don't know moment, but either way that pause and reset helped me pivot into a place where I have a firmer grip on who I am and how I'm to move through the world and what I believe at this moment in time. So. So, so yeah. <laughs> well, I guess at the very beginning of the answer, 
I think you kind of acknowledged you saw what I was asking there. Mm. <laughs> and I'm going to hold you to this one right now because I've listened to many of your podcast episodes <laughs> and I yep. see what an inspiration you are to people, not only Thank you. from what I see online, but also from what people say to me about you and how you've changed their Aww. lives. Hey. And is it okay if I make an observation right now? Sure. It feels like, and please correct me if I'm wrong here. Will do. <laughs> I feel like there's a hesitancy or a fear of saying because of what other people may think. What you just described right now with your couple month quote unquote spiritual hiatus mm. that it was a spiritual hiatus to that I'm afraid to admit that I had a t I took a hiatus no that sorry I probably could have worded that differently <laughs> I I totally see that as continuing your spirituality because going yeah. through that process of of reevaluating Mm -hmm. how you're going to move forward. How are you going to proceed with your spiritual beliefs? Like you, you don't have to go out there and do mantras every day or, <laughs> you know, cluck around the front yard like a chicken. No, and but I definitely took what, when I, when I say a, a break, like I came into a space where I would have, like, I, I don't think I've ever been someone who's like fully believed full on anything. Mm -hmm. Like I would consider myself a professional agnostic, if anything, like I'm always trying on new things, always looking and at some point there will be something that will be my truth that will, will then at some point change. And I'm okay with that kind of like fluidity, spiritual fluidity. But there was a moment where like, you know, when you are in grief or when you are considering things like that, where it wouldn't even been a, a hiatus, it would have been a complete 180 turnaround. Like, I don't believe in any of this crap. Like there was a moment. And for me, like that's not necessarily hiatus is still a development. Right. But there's a part of me that felt really turned off by it and would not want to engage with it, engage in it because there's this, this part of me that couldn't figure out why. And so the process of the understanding, you know, it was like, oh gosh, this, there's no magic here anymore. Like this is just now it's a job for me. And I knew that if I didn't, and it went longer than a couple of months, this was, I didn't feel like I came to until like the, maybe the beginning of the year, this year where it was like, okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. I'm starting to get my footing again. And then that's when I realized like, okay, I need to, to, to end my podcast because my search became a job and like, not that it was a bad job. I love doing it but it kept the awe out of things now. And what's really funny is like, I haven't watched, listened to a podcast or like done any searching or read any books or anything for myself in two years, like for myself, like for my own knowledge, for my own discovery process. And then uh, interestingly enough, I'm watching like my Amazon cart with the books that have been piling up. And then there's this podcast that I've been listening to and it's like, oh, it's fun again. Like it's interesting again. It's something I'm on my path again to discover. So like, I have no qualms about like telling people, like I was like borderline atheist again, like just turn my, my back completely on it. But that was a part of the developmental process that I needed to do in order to get to a space to, for it to be magic again, you know, like to come back into a space where it was like, okay, I really don't know. And what, what does that look like starting all over again, really literally starting all over again. And coming to a place where it's like, I, I, I'm 
I need to clear my palate so I can taste again, so I can see again, so I can feel again. Uh, I felt numb and I felt depressed and I felt sad. And this wasn't just, you know, because I missed my aunt. It was also because of the existential crisis. I was having a very real dark night of the soul. And those are not fun, as anybody would tell you. So that getting comfortable with the uncomfortable phrase became like my mantra. <laughs> I was clucking like a chicken in front of my front yard, um, saying like, let me get comfortable with the uncomfortable because when something uncomfortable happens, it won't be uncomfortable to me. I will be used to it. I will be in a place where I'm welcoming it and saying, all right, I'll do your worst. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can be okay with that. And obviously that's something that's always constantly working on, but there is this, this part of, I think our society that feels like we have to have everything together. We have to know everything. We have to have all of our ducks in a row. And some people even look at my life and think, oh, look, she has it all. She ticks, you know, no, absolutely (laughs) fucking not. Don't have a clue. We literally don't have a clue. And like, even just the ebbs and flows of success and the ebbs and flows of relationships with friends and ebbs and flows of like my my journey and parenthood and, you know, whatever. There's so many things for us to fucking juggle all the time, you know, like nobody has it all together. And the illusion that we are stepping into a reality that was going to figure it all out is just not real. And if we did have that, there would be no magic. There would be none. So like, you know, what's magical is like last month, transparent, we were very low and our on our finances and what we're going to be able to pay for or whatever. And we had some, like, I've been trying to pay off all this debt and like, just like being really like proactive and like paying stuff down, but money was tight. Money was super tight. And I was like, I literally have no idea how this is going to come through to the point where it got so low. Like, you know, like everybody's got that threshold of like where they keep their bank account. And if they get below a certain amount, it's like panic. I was in that space. And I was like, and it's different for everybody, but like, I was in this place where I was like, you know what? I've literally done everything that I can do. I have tried everything that I have tried and nothing is coming in. This is deeply showing me that there is a pivot on something that I have no idea about what direction to go in. So let me just see, let me just stop holding so tightly to what I think is going to work, what I think is going to be X, Y, Z. And let me open myself up to what could be, what's possible, what could be uncomfortable even. And that was me deciding to open my books for mediumship recently. Even though mediumship comes to me very spontaneously, it's a whole different thing trying to do it intentionally or whole different thing. (laughs) And there's pressure. Every time you sit in front of somebody, it's like, all right, like your grandparent or somebody is going to come through and they're going to speak completely differently than my last session. So it puts me in a space of discomfort every time I sit with someone and they say, no, no, I don't know who that is. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not connecting to that. No, that's not right. Like, you know, like it puts you in this space of like, where if you're not getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, you start to feel imposter syndrome. You start to feel like I'm not good at this or I can't do this. And I thought, why, why would I think that this would be my fault? <laughs> like I'm trying to translate the spirit world here. And there's so many elements that are involved. Like I, I, I need to believe in myself full circle, coming back to that first thing. I need to believe in myself and know that like, I can do this. 
And like, it won't be a home run every single time. And it will feel embarrassing sometimes when someone sits in front of you, who's just testing you. And those are the readings that always go the worst because they're not open. And it's like, I need the triangle. I need the spirit. I need you. And I need me. And if you're not full on, it's not going to work. So there is this, this moment of like, or learning, training myself to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, sitting down with a a new client each time and going, I don't know what's going to happen. Literally, that's my job now. I sit down in front of people and go, I have no idea what's going to happen. At least with the cards, like I I do read cards uh, for your audience. It's easier because I know my cards. I know what my cards are like, say each one of them. I've memorized the, the 800 cards that I go through. And if they come up in a certain order, I know that back in front, it's comfortable. But when I have to sit in front of somebody and have their random person who speaks differently, or they'll, they'll give me symbols or language or like whatever. And, and I'm not like connected to that information or don't know how to get access to that information. I could look like a fool and that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. Someone's dissatisfied with them. Just give them money back. It's not a big deal. I haven't had anybody so far ask for their money back, but, um, and I've been shockingly on point, but I have to put myself in that position of discomfort to grow. And it's been a, it's been an incredible experience just for, as a, as a metaphor on life to be in a place and go, you know what? you know, this didn't go super well. It went decent. It happened, but it wouldn't, it wasn't perfect, but I'm not perfect. And that's okay. Like things came through. I didn't know like, and, and then they came through and I did know, and that was okay. That wasn't that bad. I didn't die. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like we, we treat things like that when we don't know, like the, all of the answers. And, and sometimes it's like you said, it's okay to say, I don't know. Like sometimes I sit with someone and I'm like, all right, well, you know, like, we tend to get someone who comes through. I haven't had one reading yet where no one came through, but there are times where it's like, you know what? I don't know. Like sometimes it can be this, sometimes it could be that, but it frees me from having to feel like I know everything like that. Like that's where imposter syndrome comes in. When we feel like we need to present ourselves in a perfectly packaged way where it's like, okay, like I have to show up in, in, in this form, even though that's not the form that I actually am. Like how freeing is it to be like, you know what? I don't know. And I think people are more generous with you when you're honest with them about where you're at. If anything, they can relate. They understand, they know. So all that like long thing to say, like this world would be a better place if we would just be feel comfortable, more comfortable with being able to say, I don't know. And in that magic can happen. Rule of three. Mic drop. Wand drop. Wand drop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a good place for us to end it. So where can everyone find you these days? Everyone can find me at thelovelyalia.com. You can also join my free membership community, which is lovethisconsciouscommunity.com, where we're a community of mystics and people that have lots of spiritual questions. And you can just have a little good time there, make some new best friends. So that's, that's mostly where you can find me. Well, thank you for coming on. I look, I I enjoyed this conversation about the pursuit of magic because the conclusion I came to you after, well, the temporary conclusion, because I'm sure it's going to evolve and change as yes. I as I continue to pursue my pursuit of magic. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know seems to be the conclusion there. Yeah. And that's so, okay. Totally okay. I'm okay with that. But am I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm becoming more and more okay with it. 
So thank you so well, much for, for having coming. me on, Daniel. You're very welcome. And yeah. Y yay. Yay. <laughs> So now, let's sum it all up. As a storyteller, I always like to know where my story is going to end before I commence the journey of writing, so everything in between can lead to the inevitable. So when I launched Season 3 of Timeless Spirituality back on December 6, 2022, with an episode titled, Recapturing the Magic, I knew exactly how I wanted to finish the season. And that would have been with an episode titled, the magic recaptured. And as the title of the premiere suggests, season three was to be about my journey to recapture a magic that I perceived to be lost. I knew where I wanted it to begin, and I knew where I wanted it to end. But the middle remained a mystery, so I figured I'd figure it out along the way. But what I neglected to take into consideration was this journey wasn't meant to be a written fictional story. It was real life. In real life, doesn't want to be scripted. It wants to be organic. I came up with the theme for season three back in the summer of 2022, and I didn't commit to release the first episode of the season until I figured out what it would look like to recapture the magic. And that quote-unquote realization happened for me around November of 2022. The predetermined conclusion I'd come to by the finale was the magic wasn't about any awe-inspiring experiences I'd have along the way that would excite me in a cerebral sense. It was about how I realized the magic is about inspiring others to go out in the world and make a difference in whatever way they saw fit. Now, there were many issues with this. Chiefly, I still don't know what it means to make a difference in the world. I've said it, I hear other people say it, but do any of us truly know what we're talking about when we say it? Then something shifted for me back in late March of 2023, and that shift came with the recording of this episode. As you heard, in the middle of the interview, three words came to mind, and I knew I needed to phrase them into a question. So with that, I presented those three words, and I had my aha moment. Then a few days later, all of my preconceived notions dissipated when I finally understood that if I wanted this season to be all I thought it could be, I had to relinquish control and let the process unfold organically. Unfortunately, this season didn't end up being all I thought it could be because I thought I knew more than I actually did. And that's because I didn't surrender to those three little words. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do those three words mean? Do I know? If we look at them from a linguistic standpoint, when those three words stand on their own, they don't command much power or presence. But when we string them together, they can be perceived in multiple ways. Primarily, I believe most people view them in the context of weakness. But when presented in a humble and authentic way, I personally see them to be a sign of strength. So let's take a little trip back in time. A few years ago, I was at a networking event and I met a guy who branded himself as a spiritual coach. At the event, I was, well, networking. And at one point, I took my networking hat off and decided to just schmooze and exchange ideas with some of the other attendees. 
It was then that this spiritual coach came over, joined, and monopolized the conversation. He seemed nice enough, but he just oozed to bullshit. And as the conversation continued to unfold, he somehow had an answer for everything. But I could tell he was just making it up on the spot. Yet everyone in the group appeared to be mesmerized by his quote-unquote wisdom. Later in the night, him and I chatted, and we agreed to do a session exchange. His regression came first, and when all was said and done, I still saw him as a nice guy, but I also understood the facade. He had a successful coaching business, propped up by his flashy lifestyle and quick-on-his-feet thinking. And after getting to know him a little more that day, I lost interest in having a session with him, but I relented as I figured maybe I'd learn at least one little valuable nugget. I'll spare you most of the details from this coaching session, and I'll skip to the part when I asked him about the show he put on for the group of a few that day at the networking event. Now, you'd think he would have been offended when I quite literally said, you were full of shit that night. What did you stand to gain by the appearance of knowing when you did not? And whether or not he was putting on another show with his response as a defense mechanism, or having the most misguided sense of self-confidence I've ever seen, he then responded with, because you always have to know the answer, or at least display the appearance of knowing. He then attempted to lead me in an exercise where I'd put on a display of knowing, even when I did not. But little did he know, I was a hard knock to crack. And I said, no. If I don't know the answer to something, I will respond with, I don't know. He then continued to tell me that someone in my position always has to know the answer to a question when asked. Now, his perseverance also left something to be admired as he continued the whip on the knowing train while I just kept saying, no. And by the end of the coaching session, I saw a wounded child masquerading as a wannabe spiritual guru who desperately needed to be seen as someone who had the answers. And I am eternally grateful to have had the opportunity to learn one little valuable nugget from that coaching session. And that is, there is absolutely no shame in admitting and saying, I don't know. But what about a time when I don't know left me feeling like a wounded child? I'll just say, the universe works in mysterious ways, as that moment found me a little over three weeks ago, on the morning of December 8th, 2023. I was giving an interview about past lives and reincarnation on a podcast called White Shores, which is based out of the UK, when the question of all questions, at least in this context, was asked. And truth be told, I'm surprised it took so long for me to be asked this question, but when I finally was, I kind of wished I wasn't. Sort of. And the question was, have you delved into all the research into reincarnation, like Dr. Ian Stevenson, the University of Virginia? Are you familiar with all of the research that's ongoing? Now, this wasn't a gotcha moment. It was a bona fide question being asked in a friendly environment. So when I was asked, I responded with some of it. As in my mind, the question being asked of me also had to do with the research done by some of the pioneers of the field, 
such as Dr. Brian Weiss, Dolores Cannon, and Dr. Michael Newton. But when the host started naming off some of the other people in the field, it became clear to me that the question she was asking had to do with bona fide scientific research. Now, as I previously established, I'm not someone who makes up an answer if I don't know the answer to a question. But as she introduced me on the podcast, in her words, not mine, as an expert in the field, I should have known the answer to the question. So why didn't I? And there's a simple answer to that simply complex question. I'm stubborn and rigid. I operate off of a distinction between believing and knowing. In where we stand scientifically today, I do not believe we can definitively prove that past lives and reincarnation are real because we don't have a device to measure them. I mean, it's silly, I know, but I also have no shame in saying that I believe past lives are real, but I don't know that they're real. But what exactly is it that I'm waiting for? A device like an MRI machine that can somehow record and measure our past lives? Well, yeah. And in that moment when I was asked that question, I realized how foolish I'd been with regards to my resistance to investigate the scientific field of research into reincarnation. Because if I don't, am I any better than any spiritual practitioner who pretends they know something when they don't? I'd like to believe that I am, but that's also where self-awareness can be detrimental. I should have known better. And as I slowly close in on a decade as a practitioner of past life regression, I probably could have spared a few hours along the way to read a book or three on this subject. So here, I don't know didn't suffice. But I am proud to say I owned up to it on the podcast. I had no shame in saying I don't know this, but I should. And then something happened that took me by surprise. Someone reached out to me for a session after hearing me on that podcast. Now, that in and of itself isn't surprising, but I was confident that I didn't deliver in the interview due to my lack of knowledge in a particular space of my field. But in his message, he said to me, he liked that I studied Dolores Cannon's method, and he liked that I sounded genuine. And well, genuinely, I don't know a lot of things but maybe that's not such a bad place to be. So there is a point for I don't know. And I'm also looking forward to reading a book or three on the scientific research into reincarnation. And then will I quote-unquote know more after I read all these books? Maybe. Perhaps. Or maybe not. And maybe that doesn't really matter. Because as I reflect back on my journey, I'm starting to realize that there is this huge ocean of gray between knowing and belief, almost like the vast Atlantic Ocean that stands between two large, very tangible masses of land, one of which still had yet to be explored in our modern world. And the large majority of our oceans still remain unexplored and full of mystery. And maybe, just like many before me, I've been so focused on the destination, the next discovery, the next tangible truth, that I never recognized the oceans of mystery, that vast and beautiful place in between, that might just carry with it more profound insights and growth than I could ever have and ever will imagine. 
And ironically, I've found that as my journey continues to unfold, remaining open to that which I don't know or may not know yet has opened my eyes to how vast that gray area may truly be. It's also made me realize that just when I think I know the whole story or just when I think I have the full picture, there might just be so much more to discover in that big, beautiful in-between. And as long as I continue this journey, being open and willing to let my story continue to grow and unfold as it will, I myself might just grow in ways that I never thought possible. Even if that means that I may never, at least in this life, know the full picture or have the whole story. Because maybe the gray area might just be the meat and potatoes of all this. And I do like my food. So let me give you an example. At some point in 2022, I shared a story on my podcast about a past life of mine where I saw myself as a brutal tribal leader somewhere in Western Africa. I was disgusted by just how callous and violent I saw myself to be in that life. And I was convinced that I was doing it all in the name of obtaining power, plain and simple. A monster, if you will. But little did I know then, there was more to the story. As a few months ago, I happened upon more information where I learned that that man that I was in that life was kidnapped from a neighboring tribe during a raid where most of his village was massacred. And as the strong hunk of meat that he was, the rival tribe took him to enslave him as one of their own. So there I, he, was broken and defeated because he'd lost everyone and everything he'd ever cared about. And then one night, after an unknown amount of time in captivity, he broke free, fought back against his captors, and wait for it, as this was now picking up at the point that I had previously seen, ended up taking control of the village after disposing of their chief. It was swift and brutal. And that's how he ended up ruling this tribe, full of men who had taken everything from him. Now, I believe he could have handled things with more love and compassion. But then again, I don't know what it was like to live in that part of the world at that time. And I can only imagine there's so much more to this story than what I'm currently aware of. So I'll leave it with this. I don't know the totality of that man's life, and it would be irresponsible of me to claim otherwise. Facts are, I may never know. And yes, I'll say it again. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. I've just come to realize that I need to really get comfortable in this beautiful, yet unpredictable and sometimes terrifying in-between. And yeah, it is important to distinguish between truth and belief, but there's so much magic in between. Maybe I need to withhold judgment and stop making assumptions and just let things unfold and do what they do best by their very nature. Just like the waves rolling in and crashing upon the shore. Ceaselessly and without fail. And just take it all in. So now, with blank maps in hand, I'm setting sail on a sea where there is no magic to recapture. Just a horizon, an empty canvas, and the magic of... I don't know. I don't know.